everybody. We are starting a brand new series today called Made For More. Make some noise for that. And keep me in prayer for the first time since I've been a pastor, I'm gonna try to preach eight weeks in a row. Y'all better clap for that, man. I'm Pray that I, it takes about, I wanna say six to eight hours to prepare for one sermon. Like, and so if you hear anything that you've heard from T.D. Jakes in this next eight weeks, I downloaded his sermon because your boy ran out of energy. But I'm really excited about this series, and um, I have this uh, real strong passion to prepare God's people for awesome things. And I've shared this before, but if you're, you're new here, my wife and I have been the, the, the pastors of, of this church since October of 2019, and a really awesome leader in our community that's been leading in our community, specifically Inglewood, for 40-plus years, Bishop Kenneth Omer was here at our service where we were ordained the lead pastor. You could clap for Bishop Kenneth Omer. He's amazing. And this man got on, down on his hands and knees and put his hands on Christina and I's feet and, and prayed for us. But one of the things he said to me that I've never forgotten, he said to myself and Pastor Philip, who is the founding pastor of our church, he said that uh, he compared me to Joshua and Philip to Moses. And he said, Moses um, saw places he would not go, and Joshua went places he could not see. And he was talking about how in this next season that, and I took it, and many people in the room took it as God was only putting me as the pastor to help you get somewhere. Not that I would accomplish something, but that you would. And that what God does in your life would be my accomplishments. There's nothing greater than you can accomplish in your life than what people around you accomplish because of your influence and leadership. The prize has always been people. It's the people to God. And I think so many times we live in a world, especially here in LA, where, man, you get that, you know, you make good money and, and you're doing really well and people will praise you. But there are certain things God is praising you for that people will never even mention. They'll never even mention. And I really have this burden to get you ready and I don't wanna fail and I don't believe with God's help that I will. You know, I'll open up with a, what I believe to be a prophecy that Dallas shared regarding this series. And he didn't know it was a prophecy, but it was a prophetic word. And I'm open up with, with something that Dallas said. He said, Dad, you know what I realized? I look rich, but I'm broke. <laughs> I said, excuse me, son, what did you say? He said, I realized something. I look rich, but I'm broke. I said, what do you mean? He says, man, I, I get my hair cut all the time. I wear nice basketball jerseys. I'm in a nice car right now. We just came from in and out That costs money, and I'm broke. <laughs> but I don't look broke, but I'm broke. And I started to think, I'm like, son, that is the word of the Lord for our church. Because some of us are focused on looking a certain way. We look spiritual, but our lives have no truth at all. We look nice, but the account is low. We look like we have hope, but deep down there's... Anybody ever act like you're happy? I don't want our church to look a certain way, but not really be that way at all. And I really believe that this message today specifically is going to open up this series 
when we talk about being made for more and being present and being generous and, and being connected. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Revelation chapter one. Say, oh shoot, he's reading out of Revelation. See, y'all thought y'all was getting, uh, for God so loved the world, he gave, no, nah, I'm hitting you with the Revelation. And by the way, um, there is no S on Revelation. It's not Revelations, it's Revelation. Why we are speaking on extra S's, it is not Valentine's Day. Not with an M. It's times. Anybody say times? It's Valentine's Day, not times. This is why we're, my wife would be so proud that I'm correcting people's grammar. Oh, she's right there. Oh my God, you don't want to live with my wife. I can't say nothing. It's like, girl, I'm from San Bernardino. Stop. That's how we talk. That's how we talk. We talk how we talk. We do what we do. Leave me alone. Revelations. <laughs> to make y'all feel more comfortable. Revelation. Yeah, you want to say any other grammar things while you're here, Christina? Mines? Yeah, she said, don't say it. That's mines. Don't say that. It's mine. All right. She's done her duty. We're going to read from chapter 9, uh, verse 9. This is the disciple John, by the way, the disciple John. And he says, I, John, am your brother and your partner in suffering and in God's kingdom and in patient endurance to which Jesus calls us. All right, so we're in a series. We're believing God for seven years of favor. Um, but by the way, um, favor is preceded by patient endurance and, and suffering. And suffering is not a bad thing. Not biblically, it's not. Uh, suffering caused by our own actions and consequences, suffering caused by other people, there is a type of suffering that's bad. So if like an evil, wicked person creates suffering in your life, that's horrible. But there is a suffering that is holy, and it is the suffering where you don't do anything wrong, and maybe God uses somebody else, but it's a suffering that God designs to teach you and test your faith. And one of the promises around suffering is that God will never ordain the suffering that he has not ordained glory for. So with the amount, I can tell what God's going to do in your life by the amount of suffering you endure. If you endure suffering, suffering is what prepares you for the good things that God has for you. So when you're training for an event, and let's say you were lifting weights, you lift weights with suffering, and that makes you stronger. Because it's actually, uh, the Bible would suggest that God's blessings are heavier than any suffering in the world. You think hard times are heavy, wait till God blesses you. Anybody feeling the weight of a good thing? Come on, you, you, you're having a baby, you and your wife are so excited. We're pregnant. And then them jokers show up and be up all night long, and then you crying to your friend. Y'all popping balloons and doing gender reveals when the baby's on the way. But when that baby show up, you're like, somebody help me. Somebody help me. Anybody believing for a babysitter so you can have a date night? If you haven't had a date night in three years, make some noise. Somebody ship these kids off somewhere. I need a break. Well, they're amazing. There's nothing wrong with kids, but kids are no joke. Kids are no joke. I tell short stories about our kids all the time. Remember when my son Dallas was two, he, he got mad at me. He looked me dead in the face and said, I don't like your preaching. I said, come on, son, don't do your dad. It hit. Like, I'm like, Lord, can I preach? Is this... You giving this boy revelation. Kids are challenging. They're difficult. But aren't they amazing blessings? 
You, sometimes you get a promotion and you get a job and you realize you might be in over your head and you got all these employees are going to um, uh, um, manage. But we're supposed to patiently endure. And this is an endurance that Jesus has called us to. Some of us get frustrated. Can I just be honest? And we're dealing with something for three months. And we're like, God, where are you? And God says he calls you to patient endurance. Patient endurance. You know, patient is not just waiting. It's waiting with the attitude of Christ. So you can wait in a godly way. One of the reasons why the church is not ready for God's will is because we don't know how to wait. God will see the attitude that you wait before he sends you his will. Boy, that waiting ain't no joke. You know, you can be a billionaire making sure that people don't have to wait. We've given out 10 air fryers in our church, and I believe in the air fryer because it makes me wait less time for my chicken. Do you understand what I'm saying? You put chicken in the oven, it has to be in there forever. You put chicken in the air fryer, 15, 20 minutes, and you chill it, make a little something on the side. Microwaves, drive through Remember, is anybody old enough to remember when fast food restaurants didn't have drive throughs You had to walk in. But now, no one wants to wait. Everything's on demand. Remember when you saw a movie, you'd have to go to the movies? Now you can just click a button and watch any movie you want to, whenever you want to. No one has to wait anymore. So now when God asks us to wait, we think something's wrong with God, but there is a miraculous thing that God does when we wait well. If you don't wait well, you won't achieve the will well. If you can't wait, I mean, it's, it's, he says he calls us to patient endurance. But here's the thing. The promises of God are called an inheritance in many scriptures. So if a five-year-old kid that is not ready for an inheritance doesn't get it and they have to wait, think about the age where a five-year-old kid gets an inheritance. What do you think? 18? 30? A lot of people, markers of maturity are in place for that kid to receive an inheritance. They'll say, when you graduate from college, you get this much. When you're able to get married, you get this much. When you have children, you get this much. And that kid who's five, although they know they have an inheritance, they have to wait. And what are they waiting for? Maturity markers so that they don't ruin the inheritance. Now here's the good news. The longer the kid has to wait, what's usually happening to the inheritance? Woo, come on, y'all helping me preach at 9.30. The inheritance getting bigger. If you put a million dollars away for your kids and you made them wait for 20 years, it's not a million dollars in 20 years. It's a lot more. So the waiting actually makes the inheritance bigger while God is making your character bigger. That's what waiting is for. And this is a waiting that God has called us to. John continues to say, I was exiled to the island of Patmos for preaching the word of God and for my testimony about Jesus. It was the Lord's day and I was worshiping in the spirit. Suddenly I heard a loud voice behind me like a trumpet blast. This is Jesus talking. It said, write in a book everything you see and send it to the seven churches, churches in the cities of Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Diatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. When I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands, and standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. 
This is Jesus he's saying. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool and white as snow, and his eyes were like flames of fire. This is a different Jesus than what we always tell people. Hey, just walk around. We just need to be more like Jesus. Let's just be like Jesus. Well, what Jesus are you talking about? Are you talking about the Jesus in the Bible who had signs and wonders and loved people but then called for repentance? Are you talking about the Jesus with flames of fire in his eyeballs? Which one are you talking about? If we're gonna say we need to be like Jesus, we better make sure we know who Jesus is. We better know which Jesus we're talking about because there's a description of Jesus and his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were polished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth that represents the word of God. And his face was like the sun in all of his brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. John passed out. This is the disciple who Jesus loved. So he saw two different Jesus. Are you tracking with me here? The Jesus he saw before Jesus died and was resurrected, John felt comfortable enough to say, I'm the disciple in whom Jesus loves. One passage of scripture says that John was so close to Jesus that at one moment, John laid his head in Jesus' chest like this. I think that's the moment where Jesus decided that Peter would lead the church. Okay. All right, John. Okay, buddy. And Peter's over there acting a fool. But yet, John has a vision of this Jesus and doesn't lay his, his head in his chest he passes out afraid of the glory of the Lord. There was a reverence there that wasn't there, which means there must be a difference between Jesus walking around Jesus and resurrected Jesus. We don't encounter the walking around Jesus for three years. We encounter the resurrected Jesus. That is a king you are talking to. You see the way he was dressed? In the Bible, he had humble clothes, no place to wear his head. Jesus is both the lion and the lamb. And when he walked around on the earth, he was the lamb who was slain. But after he was resurrected, he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's our king of kings and the Lord of lords. And we got to be careful that we're addressing him as such. This Jesus made John fall out. And what I love about Christ is Christ didn't say it's good for you to fall out. You should be scared. I am the king of kings and the lords of lords. He, he said, don't be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. Write down what you have seen, both the things that are now happening and the things that will happen. Uh, John fell out, and then Jesus gave him vision. Out of respect and reverence, Jesus then gave him vision. I want to challenge some of us today. If you don't have a vision for your life, maybe there's not a reverence of God's holiness and his presence because Jesus wants to do just like he did with John and lay, lay hands on you and lift you up. It, this thing we need to be like Jesus is true, but we need to understand who Jesus was. You know, it's interesting enough today, we, we talked a lot about miracles. We sang a lot about miracles. 
couple of our worship songs, we, we all love a miracle. Anybody love a miracle? Anybody believing for a miracle? If you're not believing for a miracle, I'll believe for your miracle for myself. I'm telling you, I want miracles in my finances. Anybody believing for a miracle in your finances? Anybody believing for a miracle in your body? Make some noise. Anybody believing for a miracle for your family, for restoration? Anybody believing for a miracle? Man, y'all sound like it's the 6 a.m. service. I said, is anybody believing? Miracles are divine, but if we're not careful, they can be dangerous. Because every miracle God does releases accountability. You see how I pause right there? Every miracle God does releases divine accountability in your life. There's a response. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, and you people of Capernaum, will you be honored in heaven? No, you're going to go down to the place of the dead. For if the miracles I did for you had been done in wicked Sodom, it would still be here today. What is he saying? I'm doing all this stuff for you and you're not responding. You're accountable. Now, if you're here and you're new and you have no idea that God is good, no idea that God is good, that's cool. God's like, I'm going I'm to I'm chill on you. He does. Luke 12, verse 47 through 48. And a servant who knows what the master wants but isn't prepared and doesn't carry out those instructions will be severely punished. But someone who does not know and then does something wrong will be punished only lightly. When someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. What is it saying? There's a bunch of people in this room and we're all in different places. Some of you have never encountered the goodness of God. And it is my prayer that you would. So God, when you go out there and you do something trifling and he knows you don't know him and he knows you don't know any better and you go out and do that trifling thing and you date that trifling person and you do something crazy with your money and then all of a sudden God comes through like, and we say that, we go buy something stupid and then we believe God for money and then God gives it to us and we go, see God, you are awesome, but God is blessing us because he knows we're ignorant. But for those who know, Come on, brother, you know. God will sit in heaven and go, come on now. Come on now. We've been down this road. Remember in 2007 when you encountered me at that conference and you said you would follow me forever and if I delivered you out of this, you'll never date the wrong person again and now it's 2023 and you're still doing the same stuff? Come on now. After everything I've given you, you still don't give. But yet you just told somebody the other day, everything I have, the Lord gave me, but you don't give. Now I'm going to do something different to you than the person in the back who really thinks that it's all them out of ignorance. Their $5, God goes, oh my God, you gave, you, don't even, you barely know me. But with you, you know I hooked you up. You got on your face and cried out to me when I blessed you with that money. It separates people. And it says, to whom much is given, much is required. 
So it's dangerous to write down all the things that God, you want God to give you, but be unaware of the requirements that come with those things. Marriage has requirements. I love what people say. I used to say too, this is not about a religion. This is about a relationship. No, there's some religion up in here. There's just certain things when it comes to God you have to do. That's a way of excusing ourselves from doing all the things that we don't want to do. You imagine my wife, uh, Christina, and I don't come home every night, and she goes, I want you to religiously come home every night. And I go, this ain't about a religion, it's about relationship. <laughs> no, there's just these unspoken rules. You come home every night. She doesn't have to write it on the refrigerator, make sure you don't stay out all night. Any mature husband would just know. Come on, husbands, you know, and the longer you've been married, the earlier you gotta be home. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> listen, who's been married 15 years and you start getting the text around nine? When y'all was newlyweds, she would be out with you. It'd be one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock, y'all be dancing. When you've been married more than 10 years, at nine, you just, you just instinctively, I've been at somebody's house at nine o'clock at night chilling without my wife, and the clock strikes nine, I'm in mid-sentence. Man, so that's crazy what happened with that Laker. Oh, shoot. And next thing you know, it's nine o'clock. I look at my wife, there's something in my spirit. You gotta be home earlier and earlier and earlier, my wife ain't even awake past nine. I know I can't be out. But nobody said that. Nobody said that. Nobody said that. It's just unspoken rules. Nobody has to say anything. You go over someone's house, and you, would you climb in their bed? <laughs> Grab the remote and turn on TV in their room? And then when they say, what are you doing? You're not making me feel welcome. <laughs> I thought this house was more inclusive than this. No, there's just certain parts of the house, if you ain't got it like that, you just can't go. This platform is one of those places. You just can't be up here any old kind of way doing whatever you want. So if you can come up here with all this sin in your life and I'm supposed to make you feel welcome, then my wife and I should be able to come to your house and climb in your bed and watch TV. But no, there's these unspoken rules. There's these places of the home that are considered sacred. And we all know that. Now, if your refrigerator is considered sacred, you're selfish. If your bedroom is considered sacred, you're wise. Oh my God, man, I'm telling you right now, this is good stuff. So there's boundaries. There's boundaries. My best friends are in here right now. I've never laid in their bed. <laughs> Not once. And never will. I promise you, Christina and I, I will never go in their room and just lay down in their bed. Here's what's crazy. I could, but I don't. And the reason that I could is because I don't. All this is good. I could do whatever I want when it comes to God, but I don't. So God gives me more freedom because he knows that I won't. 
Oh, my God. Say, Pastor Julian, you are preaching. We, we got to figure out the requirements. Some of you guys are supposed to be millionaires, but you don't have millionaire generosity. You have millionaire desires. Some of you guys are supposed to be a leader of leaders, but you don't have a leader of leaders love. You just want the authority and the title. Some of you guys are going to do things that are absolutely insane, but you don't understand the requirements. God doesn't give grace for unmet requirements. He gives discipline. Discipline. You know. Now, for those people in here who don't know, it says right here, God punishes them lightly. This is why it's so stupid for Christians to attack the world and say the world is evil and the world needs to change and culture, 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 culture. No, we got to go light on them. Light, light. But in the church, come on, you know. Now, you know if you know. Now, where you're trying to please man is if I try to tell you what I, what I know. You know if you know. I don't need to tell you. You know you know. Come on, somebody. Now, if you don't know, that's great, but some of you, we know that we know, and God has already released blessings, and we haven't met the requirements of that blessing, and we're asking him more, and God's saying, I'm not going to give you more, not because you can't handle the more, you can't handle the requirements. The disciples asked Jesus, can we sit next to you on the last days when you enter into your kingdom? Can we sit next to you? Matter of fact, they sent their mother to ask Jesus. Mom went up there and said, Jesus, when you enter into your kingdom, can my two sons sit next to you, one to the right and to the left? Jesus did not say no. He said, do you know what you have just asked me? Are you prepared to drink from the cup of suffering I'm going to drink from? Oh, you want to be a pastor? Do you, are you, do you, if I throw you the keys, you better, are you prepared to suffer? You want to be in ministry? Are you prepared to suffer the way that I've suffered? If you want to be an actress, are you prepared to suffer enough to win an Academy Award? Are you, do you know what you've just asked for? It's not that Jesus is saying no. He's saying you can't handle the suffering and the endurance that comes with that anointing. So when I see that you can handle the endurance and the suffering, I'll release it. You can't handle the requirements of that. I want to give it to you, but I can't. I'm God. I don't change. I can't adjust the requirements. It just is what it is. There are certain jobs you can show up late and leave early. Very few of them are well-paying. So when God sees you show up late, and leave early to Starbucks, they go, they ain't ready for a CEO. And then you have people with that kind of spirit go start a business, post it on Instagram, and think God's going to do something. And you had a terrible attitude at the crappy job, so you start your own consulting business. <laughs> All these like, can I come for the life coaches? Get your life together before you become a life coach. I just paid your rent. Come on, somebody. I'm not, come on, man. Humble yourself 
and get some people around you with some wisdom and sit under some people with some wisdom and stop sharing your opinions and let God bless you through wise people. I know that because I was that way. My life has changed since I've sat under leadership and got people in my life and not tried to make people who God has called to lead me my peers. Because these are requirements. I want you to write this down. The more miracles and favor we receive, the more it increases the responsibility and requirements from God. It's coming. I'm telling you right now, God is about to go crazy. I'm not making this up. He's going to release favor, blessings. I'm telling you, if you're just in the shadow of someone in this place God's releasing it to, you're going to have favor, blessings. God is going to pour out his spirit on the church, and he's going to release grace, favor, and truth in your life. You're going to go places. God's going to shock you with blessings. But then he's going to go, now you know who I am and what I've done for you. Here are the requirements for that kind of favor and that kind of blessing. And my job is to prepare you for the requirements because the devil himself will give you the blessing. He'll give it to you. But you don't have to do what God wants you to do. You want that? I'll give it to you. What was Jesus' temptation, um, the devil's temptation to Adam and Eve? Oh, God, just eat it. God knows you'll be like him. Don't do it God's way. Just do it. He tempted Jesus. I'll give you all the kingdoms. All the kingdoms are already Jesus. But he says, I'll give it to you without you having to die on the cross. So the devil wants to give you your desires. When you say your desires out loud, the devil hears them. And he wants to give them to you too. One of the greatest things, hardest things about being blessed in the world is when you have a blessing, a calling on your life, and both God and the devil want to give it to you. God wants me to have influence, but so does the devil. God wants me to have money, but so does the devil. God wants me to share, so does the devil. God, it's this war, and the only difference between those two wills, God and the devil have the same will. They have a completely different way. So many times they have the same will. I want you to have this, I want you to have that. But the devil's way is that it comes through without having to follow the word and being led by the spirit of God. This is so important we understand this. And not in every situation, but in some, the devil and God actually want the same thing for you. But the devil wants you to do it without God. This is so important we get this. Interesting enough, in Revelation 1, verse 10, um, the, he says, uh, write in a book everything you see and send it to the seven churches. Send it to the seven churches. So God chose seven churches to release something through. Release something through. And he said something interesting after that. In Revelation 1, verses 2 through 13, John said, when I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands. Someone say lampstands. Lampstands, lampstands, lamp. A lampstand, a lampstand represented the church. It represented you and I. So he was saying, I saw Jesus, like kind of scary Jesus, a Jesus so scary that he had to be the one that said, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid by the ways 365 times in the Bible, and many of those do not be afraid people are encountering God, not anxiety about their future. 
oh, you don't have to be afraid of me. But his presence should initiate that response. Oh, shoot, this is God. Come as you are is a beautiful thing. Leaving as you are is sin. You cannot encounter the Jesus with fiery, blazing eyes and just leave the exact same way. There's a requirement attached to that kind of encounter. And he says, I saw seven lampstands, which represents the church. Listen to Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16, where it says, you are the light of the world. Who's he talking to? We can't have darkness in us. We're the light of the world. Why do we always complain about how dark the world is? We're the light. And then he says, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. This is wildly, wildly prophetic. Crazy prophetic. Because he's saying, when you allow my character, this is, this is deep, so I want you to understand this. In John chapter 1, it says, Jesus was the word, the word of God brought life, and the life brought light. Light is not that mystical stuff that these mystics post on Instagram with energy and vibe. I'm, just, I'm a light bearer. No, no, no. No, you as dark as I don't know what. You're not a light bearer. It's not that mystical universe stuff. The word brought life. The life brought light. How are you a light? When the word becomes your life, your life becomes the light. Oh my God, this is amazing. This is changing my life. Because I'm not there. God is like, your word needs to be your life. Your life. And ever since I've been a lead pastor, a little bit of like what God is accomplishing in a church has made its way in. No, that's not the goal. That's not the prize. What God does at Oasis is not my prize. The word is my life, and the life is a light. And what does God say he's going to do with the light? Give it a lampstand. He's going to give the light a place to shine. So I want you to understand that your job, your career, see, we think we want that to be validated. We want the promotion to be validated. We want the audition to be validated. We want the Oscar to be validated. But God is just giving a light a lampstand. So it's the darkest places out there that he wants to put a light. He's not trying to give a place for your gift. He gave you the gift so that they would pay attention. And then the bait and the switch is they think they're there for your gift, but they're there to get illuminated. And they pay you for your gift, but you're shining your light. That's why it's so important. And by the way, those of you who have the light right, can I bless somebody? There are many people in this room who have the light but you don't put the work in when it comes to your gift. And because you have faith and because you love the Lord, you think that God is supposed to put out that song that's not good. And he doesn't. 
He makes you work on your craft. That's the patient endurance. And you might have to write 10,000 songs. So just because you believe in Jesus doesn't mean you can write three songs, put it on the internet and Spotify and God's supposed to bless you. Sometimes it's still gonna take 10,000 songs, but when he releases it in your life, it ain't about the songs, it's about the light. And the only way you can get the light is if you have the life. And the only way you can have the life is if you have the word. That's it. And then he gives that a lampstand. He gives that a lampstand. And then he goes on and says this after seven lampstands. And this proves what I'm saying. He says, just as Jesus, I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work. I've seen your hard work. Christians got to work harder, y'all. I've only seen two types of Christians, to be honest, for the most part. Christians who overwork or lazy ones. We got to find the balance. He says, I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. And watch this. I know you don't tolerate evil people. What? Is he talking about culture? No. Who's the letter to? The seven churches. He's not talking about out in the world. He's not talking about posting on Instagram about all the darkness in the schools. and uh, He's not talking about that. That's a real thing, and we need to address it for our own families. He's talking about the church. He's talking about somebody next to you. Do you not know the favor that God is bringing to church? You can't bring that mess up in here. We need... Can I talk to you about that? Do you know it? And it's not from a place of judgment. It's a, from a place of encouragement and exhortation where we tell someone, do you know what God has planned for you, the family? I can't just let you go on a date. You know that fool ain't for you. It's not, it's not judgment. It's preparation. We don't tolerate that. We don't sit up here and let someone do something that's going to ruin their life but not say anything. You know how I many people have fallen? And then we all go, well, I knew that was coming. But did you say something out of love? He says, we don't tolerate that. And he says, you've examined the claims of those who say they're impossible, I mean, apostles, but are not. You've discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. He says, you don't, you don't, you don't love me. You don't love me like you used to. And how do we express love to God? Obedience. And he says, you don't love each other like you used to. And in verse five, he says this, look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do what you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. You guys, he didn't say, I'm not going to love you anymore. He didn't say, I'm, the Bible says he'll never leave you or forsake you. He didn't say you couldn't come as you are. He, couldn't say, he didn't say, get out of my presence. He said, I will remove the ability for people to see you. And, and your discipline is obscurity. No one will know about this. You'll be the greatest teacher in the world no one's ever heard. You'll be the greatest dancer no one's ever seen dance. You'll be the greatest actor that's never booked a movie. You'll be the greatest pastor that's never preached. You'll still be the greatest. The gifts and calling of a God are not removable. You'll still have the gift, but I will remove the ability for people to see it because you're not a light. This is the thing I want to challenge you with. Many of us in this room, we see people who are doing what we want to do. And we start judging their gift or their talent. 
oh, they're not as good as I am. Well, maybe they're just a light. God would love to use a talented person, but he's really trying to put a light on a lampstand. And what I'm telling you is that this thing that God has put in my heart, church, this is real. When I say be connected, when I say be generous, when I say um, to be present, this is real. This is not fake. I, I didn't make that up. I'm, I'm not trying to manipulate. Over the next several weeks, we'll bring up things about generosity. And, and I'm, I'm bringing this from a pure place. I want to see the Lord bless you. I want to see you get everything that God has for you. But at the end of the day, in order for the church to make an impact, we need a lampstand. And the Lord has been unpacking this, made for this thing, where he says, I'm, I'm giving favor. I'm going to show people at your job what I do with people who follow me. It's not that you're finally going to get your just due. It's not that you're going to finally be respected for your skill and what you bring to the table. That's not true. They're going to say, what? What is going Why did that person get that? Because you're letting your light shine before all men that they may glorify your Father in heaven. Here's how we know you're not ready for the lampstand. Is that if God did it, they would say, wow, you're awesome. No, they're going to say, what? God must be real. <laughs> That's a humbling thing. We want to be good enough. That's why we put those memes on the internet. You are enough. No, you're not. Because if you are, they'll praise you. Come on, somebody, you need somebody to say, how'd they get married? How'd they have children? Why do they have so much peace? How in the world are they they're blessed? Nobody in their family has graduated from college. Nobody in their family's ever been a millionaire. Nobody's ever made it. Nobody's ever overcome. How did they do that? Because, and then they start to glorify your father who is in heaven and you do something so out far, so beyond what you could do in your human nature that everyone around you realizes it's God. Have you been somewhere recently where someone said, there's just something different about you. There's something different about your marriage. There's something different about your children. There's something different about your faith. There's something different. And they start to realize that your God just might be real. That's the whole point of the lampstand. It's the whole point of the lampstand.